This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Edo Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Good morning, good morning. This is 101.9 High FM and you're with myself and Faggy. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show and uh, we've got a super show ahead. I can't say that I'm actually quite intrigued because today we are going to talk and I'm going to try and pronounce it diastasis rectus abdominis. So if you've got that or if you want to call it um, in short DRA, then this is the show for you and you need to listen up. And if you are like me, that has no clue, well, a mild clue, what diastasis rectus abdominis is, well, you need to listen up as well. And hopefully by the end of our time together, we will be able to understand a lot more. Good morning, Fagy. Good morning, Adol. <laughs> Definitely is a very interesting topic. And you never know, Adol, maybe we have it and we have to go and sort it out. Let's see what we have to hear. Indeed, indeed. And so who are we calling on to the show? We are having Tamsin Hodgson. She's been working in the physio and Pilates field for nearly last 20 years. We've actually had her on the show before. Most recently, she's become a mom of two kids. And here's the clue. From her own pregnancy and post-pregnancy journey, she felt the need to deepen her knowledge about topics such as DRA. I ain't saying the whole long thing again. Until she fully understood DRA there, there was a lot of fear as to how to move, when to move in a way that was not harmful to her, and she doesn't want other moms to experience that fear. So she is on a mission to share her knowledge and bust a lot of myths that are still surrounded DRA and its treatment, and so we're super excited. Good morning, Tamsin. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. Diastasis or diastasis is how some people know it. And then the full name is diastasis rectus abdominis. But yes, we're just going to call it DRA because otherwise it is such a mouthful. Um, so yeah, I think the best thing is seeing you as you know so little about it is to start off with what actually is diastasis. So most people come to me and they tell me that they've got it and they think that it's a tearing of their abdominal muscles, but it's not actually the Proper definition is it's a separation of your linear ulva. So this is now getting a little bit anatomical. Most people know their six-pack muscles, yeah? So your six-pack muscles are your abdominal muscles that sit more superficial to the surface. The real name for that or Latin name for that is rectus abdominis. So rectus means straight. So it runs straight on your left and your right-hand side from your rib cage down to your pubic bone. And in between the left and right rectus abdominis, in the middle, you've got a special kind of connective tissue called your linear elbow. So if you look in an anatomy book, that is white because it's connective tissue, and the muscles on either side are red. So all that a DRA is, is that that linear elbow becomes more stretched, so you can have more gap between the rectus abdominal muscles. So it will look as if you've got a larger space between those rectus abdomini muscles. So that's really the crux of it. So it's a separate, it's not a separation. That's what most people think. They think that it's a separation as in it's torn. I mean, you can sometimes tear fascia, but it's very, very rare that you would tear that and very rare that in just a normal pregnancy, you would tear that. It's more just a stretching of that fascia. 
But we cannot avoid it during pregnancy. It's, I mean, if, if you've ever been pregnant and you know how large your tummy gets, it is impossible. The whole point of our stomachs is that they are supposed to expand. And this linear alba, the connective tissue, if it wasn't there, we would tear something because it wouldn't be able to stretch and allow for the expansion of the abdominals and then for them to come back together again. So 100% of people in the third trimester of pregnancy have a DRA. So that's one of the questions I get often. I want to take a step back just to understand the six-pack story. So kind of like when you talk about six-pack, I'm envisioning horizontal lines, right? Because when you show your six-pack, it looks like you've got horizontal muscles coming into the center. What you're saying is that they're actually vertical muscles moving from top to bottom, not from not from like left and right into center. Okay, so I'll give you a quick little anatomy. So if we took off your skin and we looked at the first layer of muscles, that would be the ones we're talking about, the rectus abdominal muscles that run from your rib cage straight down to your pubic bone. But they have little lines of fascia. That's It's like a a pocket of a feather duvet. Do you know how it's got Mm -hmm. feathers inside, but then there's a little line? So in our rectus abdomini, we have got these little lines of fascia. So that's why it looks as though it's got a six pack. Uh But actually the whole muscle is connected from the top to the bottom. It is why when you do a crunch, when you bring your head and your pelvis closer together, that is going to work those six pack muscles because it's, it's that whole line. But then if we take our rectus abdomini muscles off and we look at the next layer, we've got our obliques. I won't go into too much detail, but the obliques run obliquely. So they're going at an angle. So if you think of doing a sit-up where you take your right elbow across to your left knee, that kind of thing is going to work your oblique muscles. And then underneath that layer, we've got your transverse abdominis. So that's what you were talking about, the horizontal. That muscle runs horizontally all the way around, and it actually almost comes to attach into your lower back. And that is what we call your core. So when people talk about working your core, you actually want to be working your transverse abdominis and not your rectus abdominis when they're talking about core. Although it comes all together, you know, it's like an orchestra. You can't just have some person playing the triangle. You've got to put everybody all together, otherwise it doesn't make sense. So correlation between all those muscles. But your core muscle, your transverse abdominis, is something we're going to come back to as to what can we do about a diastasis. When a woman, and obviously we didn't state it out directly, but for those that are not getting it, DRA is a condition that one gets from pregnancy because your stomach is expanding. So when your stomach does expand, obviously it's your uterus that's expanding and pushing basically the the organs and the muscles inside your body upward. Upward, Uh, outward, yeah, exactly. So I do just quickly want to say that men can also have a DRA. And actually, if you go and look on the internet, you can see these guys who are absolutely ripped with a six-pack. They're little containers of uh, like a feather duvet. You can see all the little packs of their muscles. But then around their belly button, you'll see that they have a widening of their six-pack. So it's very close together, the muscles at the top by their rib cage. And then when it gets to their belly button, there's a big gap. That is actually a DRA. So actually, it's not only pregnant people who get it, but we generally think about pregnant people who get it because every single pregnant person at the end of their trimester gets it. Those guys who have it, that and other women who've not been pregnant can also have it. It comes from working your core incorrectly. If you push your core outwards when you're trying to work your core, it creates a doming, and then that's what creates a separation of that linear elbow because it's constantly putting pressure on that little connective tissue that's trying to hold your rectus abdominis 
together. If you can visually or, or like, well, I guess particularly explain to us. So when, when, when the uterus is growing, it's growing up, so to speak, the yes. mother's, the mother's tummy. Where's it going? Yes. It's between the DRA and your obliques or like, are your obliques and core behind and your DRA? No, 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 no. All your tummy muscles are in front. The organs sit behind the tummy muscles. Okay. Yeah. So, so you this, is, this is where we need your, core, your obliques and your DRA when you're pregnant. And just as you were saying, everybody thinks of the tummy going, so the tummy goes in all different directions. It's 3D. Your uterus grows to 40, 40, 40 times its normal size when you are pregnant. And then it just shrinks itself back down to normal size. I mean, what other organ in the body has the capacity to do that? So we're very lucky that our muscles and our body are able to adapt. But one of the things that they do is you get that little stretching of the linear elbow. It's normal. That's what we're going to chat about. Okay. We are speaking to Tamsin Hotter, and we are talking about DRA. Um, listen up, because now we're really going to dissect your abdominal muscles even further. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. This is 101.9 High FM, and we are talking RA and G. Goodness, I think that if I knew all of this, I don't know if I would have <laughs> known that I'm displacing everything. Okay, I've displaced everything. So what are the <laughs> a couple of times over. <laughs> Not times over. Um, a couple of times over. Quite a few times over. What are the consequences of having a stretched DRA? The thing is, so so we go back to say, like, for the DRA, for pregnant people, because now we're going to talk about the pregnant people again, everybody has one. So I often get moms coming, they've had one baby, this is now their second baby, they'll come to me and say, okay, this pregnancy, I want to prevent a DRA. But you can't prevent it because it's going to be there at the end of your third trimester to allow for the growth of the uterus and the baby and the displacement of the organs. That's how the body is designed. So rest assured, it's completely normal. The body is designed for it to bounce back. So 12 weeks after having had your baby, 80% of people will still actually show signs of having a DRA. And I'm going to tell you how you can test for it in a moment. And then one year later, 30% of people will still have signs of a DRA. So you can see that 70% of people, and this is not people who've now been to the physio and had it, this is just, they've taken just from a general population. 70% of people, it just gets better on its own. So we've now got to say, so that's what I'm really looking at is those 30% of people, who are they and how can we help them? And or how can we help them from the very beginning and educate them so that they don't have it. And also, how do we educate the people who've had a baby? I see moms who are six weeks after having a baby. They come and see me, and then they say, look, look, I've got a gap in my tummy. I've got a, a DRA. What must, you know, what can I do? What must I not do? And I'm like, well, it's normal. You know, it's absolutely normal. Most 80% of the people who've just had a baby will have that gap still up until 12 weeks. So the reason that we were talking about is, okay, part of it is it's the size of the baby. So if you have a very large baby that you're birthing or you're birthing multiples, your tummy has to obviously stretch a little bit more. So then you will end up presenting with more of a DRA. If you're hypermobile, so that means if you're very stretchy in your ligaments or people think of it as being double jointed, so you know if you can bend down and touch your toes or if you can get your thumb to touch your wrist and your elbows go past straight, those kinds of things, then because you are more stretchy everywhere, you're obviously going to be more stretchy in the space in your tummy. So those people also will show that they tend to have more pronounced DRA or one that takes longer to get better. How does one know if they've got a DRA? How do you know? Yeah, so sometimes the gynae tells you, but very often not. I mean, in my experience, I had 
one baby via a gynae with a cesarean and one baby via a midwife naturally. Both places, both of them at six weeks just told me I could do whatever I wanted. Nobody actually checked the strength of my pelvic floor or to check if I had a DRA. So this is where my sort of experience came from is who can, who can we go and see? So women's health physiotherapist is who I would definitely recommend you to go and see. They check for these kinds of things. You can check yourself. So this is also the big thing is it's, um, not very scientific in terms of checking for it. So how, how they usually do is they say, if you take two fingers and you start sort of where your rib cage and where your sternum, the breastbone ends, and then you go down from there along the midline of your body, over the belly button, all the way down to the pubic bone. If you can fit more than two fingers between those muscle bellies of your rectus abdominis on the right and the left, then in theory you would be diagnosed as having a DRA. So, I mean, you can tell that it's not very You would feel by pressing pressing your two fingers into your... You put your two fingers, exactly. So you can check and see, can I fit more than two fingers in here? And if you can fit four fingers, then they would say, well, that's definitely a DRA. The problem with that comes from, and this is where one of the myths is, is that's not necessarily true. Because if you didn't test yourself before you had a baby, then how do you know that your normal isn't three fingers because you are just more stretchy? So really, it comes back to you should have a baseline before you have a baby, and then you should test it after. Because each person's body is so unique that you can't just take all women of every diversity and um, culture and just say, well, everybody's going to have a two-finger gap. That's normal. So there's the first problem with that. The second thing is you're looking for the gap as how wide it is, and then you're also looking for the depth. So as you put your fingers down, so you start at the where the breastbone ends and you push your finger into your tummy, you'll feel that there should be some sort of tone. And you can feel where there's sort of muscle feels different to bone to feels different to connective tissue. So again, we can actually measure on our finger how many sort of uh, joints on the finger can you get to? Can you get all the way to the knuckle? Well, then you've gone pretty deep. And if anybody's had a baby, you'll know that just after you've had a baby, I mean, it's like jelly in there. I mean, you can, it's like, you know, you can <laughs> feel all sorts of weird things and you can feel your organs almost. And I have a lot of moms saying, is this normal? And it is normal because your connective tissue is so stretchy and now things are starting to come back. You can almost feel inside more than you would if you'd not had a baby. So that's the main way that they measure it is, how deep is the sort of depth or can you get your finger in and how wide is the gap? But in saying that, my idea before I found out about this was that the wider the gap, well, then definitely the worse you are, you know, the worse your prognosis. And that is now science has proved that's absolutely rubbish. So the size of your gap doesn't matter. So then you think, well, what's the point in measuring it? You can measure it to define it and say, let's say somebody can fit three fingers around their belly button. That would be that would be defined as being a DRA. But that doesn't mean that that person has weaker abdominals than somebody who's only got a two-finger gap. It just means they have a three-finger gap. Yeah. So it, it used to be thought that if you had a four-finger gap, you know, so this is the thing, is if you go and see somebody like a guy near you maybe isn't a specialist in rehabilitation, they will tell you that you have a, a diastasis. Then you panic because now you think, well, now I've got this enormous gap in my stomach. Now I can't possibly do any exercises. But actually, the more the, the best way to get that gap to come closer together is actually to exercise it because we want to change the tone of that tissue. At the moment, when you think about after you've had a baby, it's really stretchy. We want to make that connective tissue load itself more so that's why we do strengthening exercises. Are there specific types of exercises one should do? Yes, there are. And I mean, this is also the same thing. It's, uh, you can, 
if you go on to Dr. Google, they will say, you know, these exercises should never be done if you have a diastasis. And then other ones will say, this is the best exercise. And there's obviously thousands of people selling you loads of programs. But it all comes back to where is the problem? So I think I'll go back and just say, like, a lot of people, a lot of moms come to see me and they say, I have a diastasis. And then they show me their mummy tummy, which, you know, it's like where the tummy is just sort of like hanging out, yeah? So that is actually called abdominal distension, and it's different from a DRA. So if we go back to our abdominal muscles, remember we spoke about that core muscle, the transverse abdominis, that runs horizontally around your tummy, as if you were wearing a belt and it came around onto the back. But you can imagine it being a 20-centimeter belt. So if that muscle is engaged, it creates a narrowing of your waistline. As if you were wearing a corset in the olden days. You know how they used to do the laces up and it narrowed your waistline. That's what the TRA or the transverse abdominis or your core muscle does. So if you've got a tummy that's bulging outwards, that doesn't mean you have a DRA. Remember, the DRA is actually just if there's a measurement difference between the left and the right rectus abdominis. If it feels as though there's a gap in your tummy, that's a definition of a DRA. But most people... It's so interesting you say that, because I imagine that the two are connected. 100%. So that's exactly it. So remember we were saying the size of the gap. Some people can come in with a four-centimeter gap or four-finger gap between those two rectus abdominis muscles, and they can have the best core muscles you've ever seen. And someone else can come in with a two-finger gap, and they can't even find their core muscles. So there is you really cannot correlate. And remember we spoke about the guy who's like the pin-up model. He's got like a ripped six-pack. And he's got easily a five-finger gap, yeah? So there is no correlation between those. And that, that is – it's a big point for people to take home because people get so hung up. They'll go to the gynae, and the gynae will do an ultrasound, which is how you can really diagnose it, and they'll diagnose that there's this gap. But it doesn't actually mean anything. It's more got to do with how functional are your abdominal muscles. So that's why I say it's better to go and see a women's health physiotherapist or Pilates instructor who is trained in these kinds of things or somebody who's trained in the diastasis rehab. So if we go back to like you think your tummy is hanging out, you can't put your jeans on, that doesn't mean you necessarily have a diastasis. People get confused. That's what we call an abdominal distension. So now we would need to connect those core muscles to narrow the waistline. That is going to give you back your tummy that, or like a flat tummy, yeah? Because remember we said your six-pack muscles sit closer to the surface. So when we work those muscles, they tend to bulge outwards. When we work our core muscle, it draws inwards. So you can see if you want a flat tummy, it's the, it's the end muscle you want. It's the core muscle. So if we get back to saying, well, which exercise, you know, like is a plank bad or is a push-up bad um, or can I go back to Pilates? My thing for my patients is always, if you can narrow your tummy and you can keep it narrowed while you're doing the exercise, you can do any exercise you want. But if you can't narrow your tummy and it's bulging outwards, that's often what people see with a diastasis is they get like a doming. They get this little bump that sticks out in the middle of their tummy. That means you're pushing outwards to create tension. That's going to keep pushing outwards. The more it pushes out on that tension, the more it's going to pull open your gap. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter the size of the gap, but you're going to have a problem actually strengthening your abdominal muscles like that. So those are the moms who'll come to me and say, I've been doing 50 sit-ups a day and it's just not getting any better. And that's because of how they're doing their sit-ups. So to get back to the question of, is there like one particular exercise? No, it's more about how you do the exercises. Yeah. And crunches aren't actually necessarily the best exercise for you. 
Because crunches are, are, are pushing the, these rectus abdominis muscles. Exactly, exactly. Crunches tend to work your rectus abdominis. And also you're often lying on your back. And on your back, it's not so easy to actually feel what's happening in your abdominal muscles. So when I get somebody, let's say you can, let's say you come and see me. One of you two ladies comes to see me. And let me just tell you that I see people who've just had babies and I see people 15 years after they've had babies. You can still work on that narrowing of that space because it's all just about retraining. So the first thing you need to do is you have to make sure that they're able to engage that core muscle. And the thing with the core muscle is I like to think about the core as a Pringleton. So the core is like the tin, and in the top of the tin is your diaphragm, and the bottom of your tin is your pelvic floor. So if you think about that as a for a moment as your canister, if one of those three things is not working properly, you can't create load through the other bit. So you must be able to breathe in and out properly. So as you inhale, your belly should stick out. And as you exhale, your belly should come back in. You should have an expansion as you breathe in. Everything's getting wider. And as you breathe out, everything comes back in. That's step one. If patients can't do that, that means they will not have, be able to connect their core properly and they won't be able to connect their pelvic floor. And then we just check and see, can they have the feeling of as they breathe out, could they narrow their belly towards their spine because maybe that's going to give you that corset feeling and if they can do that we then check can they check on their pelvic floor so as you inhale your pelvic floor should lengthen and as you exhale your pelvic floor should draw up so those three things should be happening if they're not happening we've got to then go and have a look at why are those three things not happening just to divert just a little bit but i guess and then come back again because I think besides this DRA issue or like your stomach hanging over because, you know, after the pregnancy, yes. I hear a lot more. I've heard certainly a lot more of, of women complaining about their pelvic floor go, going to the dog. 100%. You know? So 100%. Like, that, can we just talk a little bit about that? Because that, that, that didn't Perfect. affect later on in life um, in terms of. So this is what we're saying is it's all, it's all connected. So the first thing I want to say is, When it comes to pelvic floor, people always think, oh, I mustn't have a natural vaginal delivery, or we call it natural, but really we should call it vaginal delivery, because it's going to mess up my pelvic floor. It's not the delivery so much. It's actually the pregnancy. It is the pushing down and the weight of, because now obviously you've got extra weight, and then the pelvic floor is like a sling. Just think of a Pringleton. It's like if you now load your Pringleton with weights instead of Pringles, that bottom of your Pringleton has to work a lot harder, yeah? So... Some of it is about strengthening the pelvic floor, but a lot of it is exactly what we're talking about now. There needs to be a synergy between the pelvic floor, the core muscles, and the diaphragm. That is key. The next big key point is that your pelvic floor must be able to relax as much as it contracts. And this is huge. Most people think that their pelvic floor is weak. And so they do strengthening exercises. Sometimes it might be weak, but if you haven't got a weak pelvic floor, and you have an overactive pelvic floor, which is what we're finding in a lot more people, then strengthening it is not going to make you better. It's actually going to make you worse. So this is when you want to go to a women's health physiotherapist and they can actually assess the strength of your pelvic floor. So I'm not, I don't do internal work. I'm not a women's health physiotherapist like that. I assess my patients using the tools that I've got. And I did one talk on you before for visceral therapy. So I use a lot of my visceral therapy to be able to check, check things that are internal, but from the outside. And if I think that there's a pelvic floor problem, then I will refer them on to the women's health physiotherapist. The Kegel exercises and everything. And yes. 
strength in that? Well, the Kegel is the strength. So the Kegel is the name of the strengthening exercise for your pelvic floor. But this is what we were saying is some people. So let's say, I don't know if you know what, a, now we're going into like total women's health stuff uh, away from DRA, but they are all connected because it's all about having good distribution of load. Really, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, if you can load yourself well, you'll have good strength. Um, so the Kegel exercises is just strengthening the pelvic floor. But we come back to like, if it's too strong, then what are you going to do about it? Then you need to lengthen the pelvic floor. And how do we do that? A lot of that is done with breathing exercises because the diaphragm and the pelvic floor work like a piston. As the diaphragm comes down on your inhale, so the pelvic floor should come down and relax. And then as the diaphragm comes up, so the pelvic floor should come up. So there should be, that's why we say it, the synergy. They have to work together. But if you had a tear, let's say, when you were delivering, or you had an episiotomy, you now have a scar tissue in that area. And if you think about the rest of our body, if you go for a knee surgery and you have a scar, you go usually, hopefully, for some rehabilitation. And somewhere along the line, somebody needs to help you treat that scar. Because scars are huge. They're a change in the tissue around that area. The, the we want to make sure that everything's able to glide and slide. Everything in the body has to be able to move. Everything in life has to be able to move. You can't have stagnation. And so scars are often an area of stagnation. So you don't necessarily need to get in there and break it down, but you need to make sure that it still has the mobility, that it's able to move. So if you were having a knee surgery, we would lengthen that scar and we would work on releasing that area. So now why, when women have a vaginal delivery and then they have a tear, do we tell them that their pelvic floor is weak and they need to be strengthening it? Where in actual fact, they probably have scar tissue and it needs to be lengthened and or massaged. So that is what the women's health physiotherapists do. is They teach you techniques to either do it yourself or they do it for you. And the problem is everything is all connected. So if you have a scar or um, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be that you've had a tear. Sometimes it can just be that as the baby's head is coming down through the birth canal, you know, often they sit more on one side or they can squash one side more. So it can be an internal kind of scar, if you want to call it that way, or something gets stuck there. The muscle might have been overstretched or over-tightened. So you can go in there and you can release those muscles. And we need that because if we want our our bladder and our uterus and our rectum all sit next to each other and they need each other for support. And this is where you hear, I don't know if you've heard of people having prolapses. That's often when you say like people's pelvic floor go to the dogs. Often it's related to a, a prolapse. And a prolapse, we've got to think differently these days. We can't just think of our body being like building blocks. It's not building blocks stacked on top of each other. Because then if you went to your yoga class and you did a downward dog, everything would fall over, yeah? So a prolapse isn't your bladder falling over necessarily. It's that it's being displaced out of its home, if you want to put it that way. And how can that happen? Well, if you think of a cesarean scar on your uterus, that will pull the uterus maybe more in one direction. That could pull the bladder. If you think of a scar in your vaginal wall or your pelvic floor, that's also going to pull those structures, whether it pulls the rectum. And so this is how you can end up with all sorts of symptoms, constipation, uh, urinary incontinence. Um, also, sometimes I think it can be why sometimes the second or third, sometimes the babies get easier as they come out. But sometimes also if there's a rotation in your uterus, it can make it more difficult for your next delivery and or even just growing that baby in your uterus because now it's sitting at a funny angle. We're speaking to Tabs and Hodgson, and we're talking about DRA and all sorts of other things of what happens when you have a baby. I hope we haven't put you off having a baby. Um, we're going to go for a short break, and afterwards we're going to ask another lot, whole lot of questions. This is the Healthy You Wealthy Show. 
And this is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. Just before we continue our conversation, a reminder that Fagy and I run a WhatsApp group where we just drop a little thought every single day. It is admin run, so it won't bing you and drive you crazy. And with pleasure, you can put it on mute. But we just try to encourage you every single day to understand that your health is your most wealthy commodity that you can have and that a lot of this is in your hands. If you'd like to join us, you can send an email to info at highfm.com. Give us your name. Give us your cell phone number and we will gladly join you. Obviously, you need to have WhatsApp on your phone in order to participate. Tamsin, the question that I have, and I know that like I've, thank God, finished my procreative years, like surely, yes, me too. <laughs> surely after multiple pregnancies, and I've had quite a few, does, if you do nothing about it, right, so you have your first baby, and so you have this DRA, and there's these gaps that happen, and you don't really do too much about it, and then you fall pregnant again, and then you do it again and again and again. Like eventually, I, I would would it be right to say that the muscles just fatigue, like they then just hang? <laughs> they, they don't want to do anything. Can you correct it after well, eight pregnancies? Who knows? Yes, I do think you can. I think the rule in the body for most things is use it or lose it. Yeah, if you don't use it, it just withers away. So I mean, there's huge research going on now on how important strength training is, and that's exactly what DRA feeds into. Is that yes, it's important. We can't just focus on the gap. If we only focus on the gap and the size of the gap, we are going to not be able to manage our expectations because you could still have a four-finger gap, but you could be getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. So we can't only use our gap as our measurement. We have to use our strength. Are we able to go up the stairs easier than we could? And also, we've been talking a lot about abdominals, but everything in the body works together. So walking is a way of strengthening your abdominal muscles. The faster you walk, the more it works your abdominal muscles. So running is better. If you, you know, so all sorts of things that we do, and we need to be doing um, squats and lunges and all sorts of functional activities that you need if you want to be a mom who's not going to end up with pain. So I would encourage you at no matter how many years post having babies or how many babies you've had, yes, definitely. And I don't mind whether you do Pilates or what you do, but you just need to make sure before you do anything – can you connect the pelvic floor, the core, and the diaphragm together? Are they working together? Because if they're working together, you're going to have way more success. So it's always about, it's like building a house. You've got to check your foundation. So for me, that's foundation. Check that the synergy is there between the pelvic floor, the core, and the diaphragm. Then you can go on to do any exercise that you can have good control. So there's no good in swinging your weights about and you're using momentum and you're not actually activating the muscles. Because if we go back to the use or lose it, you're not really using it properly. So again, you're not going to see the rewards that you're looking for. And humans are very rewards-based. You know, we if we're going to do something, we want to see that we're getting reward for it. And again, that's one of the things that makes me really upset is when I see a mum who's tried really hard, you know, you know what it's like. As a new mum, you've only got so much time. You sleep deprived. You're trying to do what you can do. And now here these poor moms are doing their daily home exercises, but because they maybe have got some tension in their pelvic floor or somebody hasn't checked it, you know, then they're not getting to where they should be. And then they they become discouraged. So it's really important to make sure you've got the foundations right and then you can do your own stuff at home. It's absolutely never, ever too late to do it. And the other big thing is don't beat yourself up about it if you are doing strength exercises and you're not seeing that there's a change in your tissue. There can be many reasons. So one of the things I like to tell my moms is, look, genetics plays a huge role. Some people are just more stretchy. 
it's going to take a little bit longer. Some people breastfeed for longer. That's going to change your hormones. Hormones sometimes make you more stretchy as well. They really affect your tendons and your ligaments. So you've got to factor that in. Your nutrition is huge. So depending on the kinds of food you eat, you're going to heal better. You're going to make more connective tissue. Carrying extra baby weight or intra-abdominal fat, that makes your body look more distended than it should be. So now it looks as if your muscles aren't working, but they could actually be working. You just don't see the results as you would if there was less abdominal fat there. And then the big thing is if you don't sleep and stress, obviously, which are big things that go with babies, they up your cortisol levels as your stress sort of hormone, if you want to put it like that. And then what happens is that slows down your collagen production. So that is also why it can take a little bit longer to get better. So you can't just say, oh, my exercises aren't working or I'm not doing enough core exercises. It could be any of a variety of those reasons why you might not be seeing the results that you're looking for. But I do want to tell you that when you, I see women who, their tummies can change really quickly, really quickly. If you get the, if you do the right exercises, it's amazing how quickly, because the body is designed to work in a certain way. It wants to work. It wants to be strong. I have two questions for you. Sorry. My one question is, doesn't Caesar have yes. more of an effect on your DRA? That's my first question. My second question is, does not fixing the DRA issue have effects on other parts of your body? So would you then have back pain, yes. lower back pain, yes. upper back pain? Yes. What other so symptoms would you be feeling because of that? Definitely. So the big thing about the DRA is everybody thinks about it as the gap. Yeah, We've got to change our mindset. It's not about the gap. It should be about load distribution. Can you distribute load across your abdominal wall? Because if you've got a gap, it's like having a gap in an electrical circuit. You can't get the load to go through. So then, yes, I mean, what would you present with lower limb injuries, shoulder injuries, back injuries? Everything in the body is connected. Pelvic floor problems, all of those things could come from – and it's not necessarily from having – a DRA, that would just be from not having good core control. So that I would say it's got less to do with the gap and more to do with how the core is working. So that sort of feeds into the second question again. I wouldn't necessarily say that people who have cesareans have more of a DRA, but their core definitely battles to work more. And again, it comes back to me for the scar. Scars are huge. I don't know if you've got scars yourselves, but they really need to be worked on because it's an interference. It's an interruption. And if you think of a uterus, if you do a cesarean, it's seven layers. You have to cut through seven different layers to get to the uterus. And then when they sew you up, they sew each individual layer separately. But then it's got to all be able to glide and slide on each other. And and it's like if you have a jersey and you sew a hole in a jersey. You know, it pulls a little bit more around that hole. So that pull, those people might feel it in their back. Some people feel it in their ribs. Some people feel it in their shoulder. A lot of people come to me after a cesarean with pain in their neck and their shoulder. And it can come from having um just the pull on that scar tissue. So I think I have to add, I add to that from being a mom with multiple, multiple seizures that one of the yes. things that I found is that, um, I had an inability to, to feel or to connect exactly. abdominal yep. because the nerves were, the nerves were gone after multiple seizure cuts. Because the nerves are being interrupted. The skin, even if you only have one surgery, the skin, and actually I went on a scar course the other day when I said, even if you have a tattoo or a belly ring, because wow. it's an interrupt, I know it was crazy. I tell you, it blew my mind. It can affect how your body sees that area. So it's got a lot to do with your nervous system. And the other huge thing that we haven't spoken about is trauma. So a lot of people end up with like what you would call a traumatic cesarean because they were going for a vaginal delivery and then 
you know, suddenly the baby goes into distress or this and that. Now they're suddenly having a cesarean, which they weren't thinking of. And so the trauma also affects how your body will see that. It's a bit like saying, if something bad happens, you try not to think about it. So that's exactly what your body does. When you have a cesarean, the body goes, well, I don't want to think about that. So it just blocks the message like broken telephone from your brain to your abdominals. So that is the big thing. When people come and see me, if they don't have that synergy, if they can't find that core muscle, I've got to go and treat them. What do I do? I make sure that there's no tightness. I work on their scars. I teach them how to work on their scars. I get them to tape their scars because sometimes just sticking a piece of micropore over your scar is reminding your body that that area exists. It's like a little input to say. So if you have a tattoo, you can try as well. Let's stick a little piece over it and see. Yeah, but it can well, all get big. Is there a a preferred set of exercises? For example, you prefer a woman in this case to go to Pilates as opposed to yoga or I prefer I mean, that she goes running as opposed to doing cardio. Is there, is there, like, you know, you're talking about... Each person is so unique. This is the problem, is every person is different. So that's important. And also, each yoga class and Pilates instructor is different. So, you know, I always say to people, I don't mind what you do. The instructor is more important for me than what you call it. Because if you have a good instructor and they're watching that you're doing things properly, that's what we're looking for. Look, Pilates is generally, the focus is more on being core-based. So I would just say, I don't really mind where you go, so long as you know. So this is also what I say to my patients. If you want to go and do your Pilates class at the Virgin Active because you can't afford to come to our Pilates classes, that's fine. But please, can I just teach you the basics so that you can feel? Because if you can't feel if your abdominal muscle is connected, then how are you going to know if you're doing the exercises right or not? So as soon as that connection is there, then I don't mind what they do. But then I do usually grade them with exercises. So it's again, it's coming back to people saying, well, can I do a plank? If they go into a plank position and I ask them to draw their belly towards their spine, if they cannot draw their belly in and hold it in, then they can't use their transverse abdominus, which means the transverse and that diaphragm and pelvic floor, it's unable to work properly. That's too difficult for them. So then I've got to say, okay, if you really want to do a plank, then we've got to grade it. So then we might get them kneeling with their arms on a chair because it's less body weight. Can they do it in that position? No, still not. Okay, well, then they must lean against a wall. All right, now they can do it. Okay, fine. So they start against the wall. They do that for a few weeks. They should be able to progress to then doing it on a chair and then doing it on the floor. So there's always find out what the patient's goal is. So what do they want to do? If they want to do something specific, try and get them back to that goal. And that'll answer for you, you know, which exercise would be best. But then it comes back to the form. So long as they can keep that narrowing of their waistline and not hold their breath, then they can do any exercise they want. We've just we've just had a whole very interesting conversation with Tamsin about a DRA. This is the Healthy You Wealth You Show, and this is 101.9 Hi FM. This is the Healthy You Wealthy You Show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left, Tamsin, and I, I, I think there's like a, I, I've got a million other questions. I actually said to Faggy before, what are we talking about? Like, is there is there enough to talk about? And I can see that we could probably go on forever, but unfortunately, when you're having fun, time runs out. Um, Tamsin, 
We know that you, you're stationed in Cape Town. For anybody in Cape Town, how can they get hold of you? And otherwise, what can the rest of us that aren't in Cape Town, besides flying to see, uh, you know, what can well, you do? Know, some of us do drive an hour for physios. Maybe we can just fly two hours for a physio. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, so if you, if you want to find me in Cape Town, the easiest is probably off my website, which is www.physiocapetown.co.za. And then there I have information on my website about different things that we do and a lot of these classes and things like that that we offer. But otherwise, I would say the best place to start is probably with a women's health physiotherapist because they should be trained in this or uh, with somebody who specializes in pregnancy and post-pregnancy Pilates. They also are generally pretty well educated on this. So those would be the two people or, or two sort of groups of people that I would start with to see if they can help you. I don't actually know of anybody off the top of my head in Joburg who specializes in this. I did do a, a Pilates course through somebody, but now I can't remember her name and she was no, based in Joburg. If you get the name, then we will we will certainly post it on our, our okay, website. Brilliant. So thank you again for your your incredible expertise and just actually opening up you know another distance. It's it's quite incredible. Appreciate how well the the body works and how you know it it, it all fits in as a puzzle. And then also for us to be cognizant of what happened and how we can correct it because, you know, the body can come, come right again. So thank you again. And maybe I'll just find an excuse to come, come to Cape Town on holiday and then just pop into Physio Cape Town. <laughs> Please do. It's very wonderful to meet you and it's never too late. I do you want to reiterate that? Okay, really the most important. Never thank too you. late. Thank you again for sharing with us. Thank you again, Faggy. Um, maybe you want to find another interesting, like, you know, that hot topic. We, 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 we <laughs> this is the Healthy, Healthy You, Wealthy You show, and you've been listening to 101.9 High FM.